Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. For your non-U.S. or foreign vendors, did you know that the IRS published new versions of the W-8 forms? Well, if you want to know when you have to start using them and a brief checklist on what changed on the two most common forms collected by accounts payable, keep listening. Welcome to episode 163, what the vendor team needs to know about the updated IRS W-8 forms. Now, before I get into all of this, I do have a disclaimer that I am not a tax professional, especially when it comes to foreign payees or non-U.S. vendors, um, because the IRS does have quite a few uh, different versions of the W-8 form. Also, those forms can include uh, treaty claims and it just gets very complicated. And even when I was an accounts payable uh, senior manager, uh, so I was a practitioner, we actually had uh, two folks uh, on our, uh, from our tax team that we would send all of our W-8s to to make sure that they were filled out correctly. And then we also sent them um, all of our, um, we had actually a spreadsheet of all of our foreign or non-U.S. vendors, and we identified what their spend was. We would send them uh, uh, electronic versions of invoices, and that tax team would determine um, who was reportable. Um, whether or not we need to have withholding on them. And actually, they used to do that um, when we sent them the W-8s, right? They would tell us if they were reportable or withholding. And then at the end of the year um, or in January of the following year, we would send them a spreadsheet that had all of the information that we had collected on them from our vendor file, in addition to all of the spend that they had for that year. And then that tax team would tell us Um, what uh, information went on what uh, or which field in the 1040 or from the 1042S. And then um, they would also review the filing um, for the 1042 as well to the IRS. So we had a whole separate team 
that dealt with all of the tax complexities related to the W-8. Um, so what I am talking about here is just from the accounts payable or vendor team perspective. And you'll see what I'm talking about as I get into it. So let's go ahead and get started. Now, in my experience, the IRS WA versions most often submitted to accounts payable for vendor setup is the IRS WA BIN, which is the Certificate of Foreign Status of Beneficial Owner for United States Tax Withholding and Reporting for Individuals. And then the second one is the IRS WA BIN E which is the Certificate of Foreign Status of Beneficial Owner for United States Tax Withholding and Reporting for Entities. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't get the other three forms, and they are the uh, W-8-E-C-I, which is uh, the Certificate of Foreign Persons Claim that Income is Effectively Connected with the Conduct of a Trade or Business in the United States, or the form W-8-EXP, which is the Certificate of Foreign Government or Other Foreign Organization for United States Tax uh, tax Withholding and Reporting, or um, the form W-8-IMY, the Certificate of Foreign Intermediary, Foreign Flow, uh, Flow-Through Entity, or certain U.S. branches for United States Tax Withholding and Reporting. So it doesn't mean you won't get those three. It just means that um, what I will be covering today will be the W-8 BIN for uh, individuals and W-8 BIN-E for entities. Um, And I honestly don't remember even getting the other ones. I think at some point we got an ECI. Uh, But again, we had tax professionals um, within our organization that uh, uh, we send those to and then they identified if that was correct or not and then what we needed to do after that. I highly recommend it um, again because the collection of these forms and really how the vendor fills them out because if they are a foreign uh, vendor or non-U.S. vendor that hasn't seen these before or um, the uh, doesn't quite know what the IRS means in the United States. So they could be seeing these forms for the first time. And uh, we'll talk about one of the checklist items that makes it easier um, for them and for us to uh, when we receive the form. But um, again, we had those uh, forms sent to someone in our and our uh, tax team, and they will review them. I highly recommend that. Um, But again, for this podcast, we'll be focusing on the changes for the W-8-BEN for individuals and W-8-BEN-E for entities. Okay, so October 2021, the IRS published updated versions of the W-8 forms. Now, the previous version was dated July 2017. So now let's look at what changes and we'll start with the changes for the W-8 BIN, which is for individuals. Now I'll go in order based on line number on the form. And then I will also have a link to the updated form in the show notes. All right. So the first one is line six. Now line six uh, on the 2017 version was the, or is the foreign tax identifying number, and then they would have you see the instructions. Well, you know, no one ever went to the instructions. And typically, uh, if you've been in 
the vendor team or have been accepting these W-8s for any period of time, you know that when you receive those W-8s from the uh, from the individuals, foreign individuals, they don't know what to put there. You get all kind of numbers in that field. So maybe the change on the 2021 version where they really split um, that line into two parts. They have a 6A now, which is the foreign tax identifying number. So they are to put their number there. And then they have line 6B, which is a checkbox to certify whether or not the F10, um, the foreign tax identification number, so the F10, not legally required. Now, maybe it makes it a little easier for them to understand um, that it's not necessary to put something in, in that field. Again, before we received anything in that field and maybe because they thought it was necessary. Now, I'm not saying that they don't still need to read the instructions um, and that uh, they will read the instructions. Instructions. They probably won't, um, but it does give them a little bit more pause to identify um, whether or not they actually have to put something or to think about whether or not they actually have to put something in that field. So it has been um, it has been updated. And technically, um, with the prior version of the form, um, that foreign individual or non-U.S. vendor that is an individual um, should have written in the margin or for uh, furnished a written explanation, which they never did. Um, at least not until ask, but now they just need to check the box. And by the way, um, with that foreign tax team that we would send all of our W-8s to, we really never had, uh, uh, I don't remember any instance where we sent that uh, W-8 back to have them write any explanation in the margin or with a separate sheet. But again, make sure you check with your tax professional. Now, one thing to keep in mind regarding the tax identification number is that U.S. 10s are required for treaty claims. Again, make sure you check with your tax professional. All right, the next change is really not new, but it just has clearer instruction for line 10. And line 10 is under part two, the section of claim of tax treaty benefits. And it really just, again, has clearer instruction. And it also gives them an extra line now for the explanation if they have additional conditions. And so again, um, this is part two, has to do with tax treaty benefits. And so you might want to really uh, rely on your tax professional for this piece, but just know that that piece has changed. Now, the last update to the form that I have to report is under part three, the certification. So this is where they sign. So there's been an update in the language. I think they even added a bullet point. Um, they also added a checkbox that says, I certify that I have the capacity to sign for the person identified on line one of this form. Now, this is really important, especially for those of you that are using a substitute uh, W-8 form. And I actually advocated for that because number one, those two forms that again are most likely um, most often submitted to AP, the W-8 BIN, the W-8 BIN E for individuals and then for entities. Um, those are, if there are no treaty, um, if those 
vendors are not claiming any treaty um, benefits, then it can be much easier to get what you need from the vendor, especially from entities, because the W8BEN-E, right, is multiple pages. Again, it might be the first time that they've seen this and they don't know how to fill it out correctly. And so having a substitute form um, for those uh, uh, vendors, which are the majority of them that are not uh, uh collecting or claiming treaty benefits can make that whole process much easier. But it also means that you need to make sure you update it when the uh, IRS updates the W-8 forms that you're including in your substitute uh, W-8 form. Now, what I've done as a part of the toolkit, that's one of my paid resources on my site, is I have combined the W-8 BIN and the W-8 BIN-E with a standard vendor setup form. Um, Again, I recommend that to make it easier um, on the vendor so they only have to fill out that form and not the, you know, seemingly complex W-8 forms. Um, And then um, you can also collect all the information that you need for a vendor setup all on one form. So it makes it easy on the easier on the vendors and then it makes it easier uh, easier on um, your vendor team or you as well. But again, you do need to make sure you need to up, get it updated. And in the toolkit, um, the W-8 or the substitute W-8 form that I have available has been updated to include this new certification information um, as well as uh, the checkbox for the F-10. And I think that was really the only thing I needed to update. But if you have your own substitute W-8 form, make sure you go and check out the two form, the updates for the forms that you've included in that substitute W-8 form and make sure you make the applicable updates. All right, so moving on to the changes for the WA Ben E. And again, this one is for entities. Okay, so on this one, I will go by line number as well. And so the first one is for line four, which is the chapter three status or the entity type where they must check one, uh, only one box. So it's a checkbox for a type of uh, entity they are. And the change here is that the options, uh, the foreign government classification option that was on the 2017 version has been replaced by two options for a foreign government. So you can either be, or the foreign government can either be an integral part of a foreign government or an entity that is controlled by a foreign uh, government. So those things um, were added, foreign government control entity and foreign government integral part. And again, if you have a substitute W-8 that you are working with, make sure you add those two options. All right, the next one is line 9C, where they added a checkbox for F10 or foreign 10, not legally required. Same thing that they did on the W8 uh, bin. So again, we'll see if that helps with uh, entities now knowing that um, they don't have to put a number in that foreign um, taxpayer identification number field. Uh, might make them think about it because again, um, 
if you've been in the vendor team or accounts payable for any amount of time and been receiving these, you know that the vendors think they have to put something in there. And so they put um, numbers that you don't even know what they mean. So hopefully this will help them uh, take a step back and think about whether they need to put a number in there or not. All right, the next one is line 14. Now this is under part three and I'm actually gonna just uh, uh, say line 14 and 15. So both of these are under part three, claim of tax treaty benefits. And for line 14, uh, the limitation of benefits, um, it added a new uh, option checkbox uh, and that new option or checkbox is no LOB article in treaty or uh, line of business. And they also added uh, on line 15, just clearer instruction. And again, because this is related to tax treaties, make sure that you're engage, uh, engaging as applicable your uh, tax team or your um, resources for foreign tax um, so that they can interpret these changes uh, for you and your vendor and your company. All right, and the final change, um, just like uh, the W-8 Ben, the, the W-8 Ben E, has changes to the certification area or signature area. So there's language or verbiage updates. Um, and just like the W-8 Ben, they added a checkbox and requires the signer to say that I certify that I have the capacity to sign for the entity identified on line one of this form. All right, so those are the changes that I have identified um, for the W-8-BIN and the W-8-BIN-E. Again, check with your tax professional, especially if you receive any of the other three versions of the W-8 form. So the next question is, when do you have to start using them? Well, each form has a six month transition period. So technically you have until April 30th, 2022. Cannot believe it's 2022 already. Um, but April 30th, 2022 is the cutoff date. So until then you can still use the October 2017 version. And you don't need to collect a new W-8 from all of your foreign or non-U.S. vendors just because the form changed only when they expire. So if you are collecting W-8 forms that expire 1234, uh, 12 this year, meaning they have signature dates in the year 2018, you can still accept the older version of the form, but encourage the completion of the new version by sending it with your request to update their expiring form. So just attach the newest uh, version of the form, and then that way uh, they have one, the form that they that they need uh, to complete. And then two, it's the most updated version. And by the way, I have two resources or two podcast episodes that might help you if you deal with W-8s. And if you listen to this episode, I'm thinking you might. So the first one is episode 27. And the name of the episode is, Can You Switch to a Substitute IRS Form W-8? And so I talked about that a bit. Um, during this uh, episode to make sure if you are using one, you get it updated. 
But if you're not using one and you want to see some reasons why it might help you, go ahead and listen to episode 27. And then I just talked about um, tracking IRS form W-8 expiration dates, right? Collecting those before 1231. Um, if you're not familiar with that process, you might want to check out episode 24. And in that episode, I have a link to so you can download a W-8 expiration date tracker that is free on my site. So check out one or both of those episodes if you are interested. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 163rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.